Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I wanted to talk tantrums, all things tantrums. What are they? Why do they happen? What function do they serve for kids? And how to deal with them? Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So tantrums are really common. Um, As adults, we tend to look at tantrums as defiance, as a behavior that's done on purpose to... um, make us upset and make us angry. And, and really tantrums are, are so much more than that. I mean, they can be, <laughs> kids are clever, but there's a few things that we have to really know about tantrums. So children lack the ability to really regulate their emotions. They have big feelings. Those big feelings are way too big for their little bodies and they don't fit. <laughs> they can't pack them all in sometimes. And they just get incredibly overwhelmed And sometimes a tantrum is really just a discharge of energy. There's so much energy and so much overwhelm built up in their little bodies. They can't hold it. They don't know what to do with it. They can't find another way to let it out. And it will come out in a meltdown in a tantrum. And there's a difference between the two. A meltdown is more of a sobbing, crying kind of they're in a heap on the floor and they, they just, they're so overwhelmed that they can't kind of come up with any other way to just sort of melt, literally. A tantrum is, you know, there's aggression, there's anger, there's a lot of, you know, I hate shoes and you're mean and kicking and throwing things. And what's really interesting from the perspective as a parent is you can really see uh, the midbrain. So the midbrain, the part of the brain that's responsible for fight, flight, or freeze, uh, the part of the brain that's responsible for safety and security, uh, takes over the brain, the frontal lobe, which is the part that mitigates and, um, you know, integrates behavior and inhibits behavior is offline. And you can tell because your child kind of has these wild, crazy eyes and they're looking at you, but they have this crazy look and they're touching things and they're throwing things and they're doing everything they can to get a reaction from you. And that can be really triggering as a parent. But the first step is to understand that this is, this is really how they are learning to regulate emotion, how to understand emotion, how to deal with emotion. And quite often there is a, a big fat tantrum um, that allows them to um, diffuse and also discharge a tremendous amount of energy. Now, there's a few reasons why tantrums happen. So always with younger kids, you want to make sure that they've been fed. So if you've listened to my podcasts before, you know that I'm very big on what I call the three bite rule. Um, little kids, especially, and especially gladiators, kids that are on the spectrum, ADHD kids, gifted kids, Um, they don't know when they're hungry. They're so busy zooming around, running around, thinking about things, being in the moment that they don't actually listen to how their body talks to them. And so they miss the cues that they're hungry. And what it will usually look like is aggressive, um, dysregulated, um, messy behavior that's really kind of ugly 
for some kids, it becomes weepy and kind of nose talking and they talk like this. And honestly, this has probably been one of the pieces of advice that people have um, had the most reaction to that it has changed so much is feeding your child every hour and a half to two hours and make sure that the snack has a protein. I don't know the science behind it. I just know what I see after um, helping people understand this for the last 20 years. When you give your child a protein snack, they will literally take three or four bites and it's like the computer reboots. They come back online and they're themselves again. And that crazy look in their eyes starts to disappear. So the number one thing to think about is, do you have snacks? Do you have appropriate snacks? Um, you need to be that parent that has them in your purse, in your bag, in your glove compartment, in the trunk. Um, you know, one of the first things you can do when you pick them up at school is give them a snack. They can have another snack on the way home, but a, but a really uh, healthy protein snack will make a huge, huge difference. The other issue is sleep. So lots of tantrums and meltdowns happen because there's not enough sleep. And it's one of my pet peeves, but I think children do not get enough sleep. Um, it's very important that you follow the guidelines of the amount of sleep that kids can be getting. And you can, you can find that just by Googling it. But typically um, it's around 11 hours until kids are seven, six or seven. Um, and then it drops down to 10, 10 and a half. Uh, some kids need more sleep than others. I have found over the years that gifted kids in particular tend to need more sleep, although they fight sleep like there's no tomorrow. Um, there is a sleep window. So making sure that you're getting your kids to sleep during that window. If you send them too early, they'll get wound up. And if you send them too late, they don't get tired, they get wired. So they'll be wild and you won't be able to settle them. So finding that really good sleep window. So for a five, six-year-old, it really is getting ready for bed around seven. Uh, and then by 7.30, they're heading off to sleep and they're well asleep by eight. And you will see a huge change in their behavior if you're prioritizing sleep. And I know that's hard. That's a very early bedtime. And especially if you get home from work. Um, but the truth is it makes a huge, huge difference for them in terms of emotional regulation. The other thing that happens is the frontal lobe needs to have uh, stimulation. So often kids will start up behaviors and start to you know, have a tantrum because they can feel their frontal lobe requesting stimulation, electricity, basically. And I've talked about this in some of my other podcasts, but they'll often misbehave and really be looking at you to see what are you going to do about it, you know, kind of testing you, which really triggers us as parents, but they're looking for your frontal lobe, right? They're looking for your frontal lobe to demonstrate to the child that they are safe and that you know what's going on and that you're basically in charge. And I don't mean in a, in a nasty controlling way. I mean, kids really do want to know that the adults in their life are in charge and they're safe. They do. They don't want to be adults. They want to be kids. They will tell you differently, but it's very true. And what I say to parents is you're not actually a parent. You're actually a substitute frontal lobe. And your job is to do all the things that the frontal lobe does. Uh, inhibit behavior, prioritize, motivate, take perspective, shift attention, uh, finish tasks, move on to something else. These are all um, very important tasks of the frontal lobe, and it takes a very long time to grow a frontal lobe, 25 years to be exact. And so as a parent, you need to do those things. So your children will often uh, show signs before a tantrum, 
And you can sort of see it. They're like touching things they shouldn't. And they're kind of looking at you and they've got that cheeky little look in their eyes. So sometimes what can help is to engage in adrenaline play, chase them around, tickle them, um, you know, play the tickle monsters coming after them. You can play um, a game on your phone where you play music and they have to freeze and when you stop the music and then you go up close to them and see if they're moving. Any games that pop have a timer. Um, hide and seek is a great game. Um, these are ways to kind of get that discharge of energy without it resulting in a tantrum. Now this won't eliminate tantrums, but it will reduce tantrums for sure. But I wanted to talk about my absolute favorite parenting technique, which I call the paradoxical approach. And this one is, I used to use this all the time with my daughter, Olivia. She's now 18, but she, when she was little, it, it just worked every single time. And it's the exact opposite of what you're going to feel like doing. So this is really important. So remembering always with my, with connected parenting that you are mirroring and using the calm technique first, at least three to four statements. So go back and listen to episode one and two to get a reminder on that. Um, if you want to go deeper into that, we've got our online courses. We have our, um, our connected parenting village where parents can join weekly and our uh, therapists and coaches from our team help support them. And you can practice the calm technique and go deeper into it. But that's really important. That is always first. You always do that first. And then you give them permission to have the tantrum. So uh, the example I you know, give is a real example. Olivia was, I can't remember how old she was, maybe six or seven. And she wanted a snack. No, she wanted cookies for breakfast. That's what it was. She wanted cookies for breakfast. And of course, I'm not going to give her cookies for breakfast. Um, but I mirrored. I said, you know what? I totally get it. Wouldn't it be amazing if broccoli tasted like cookies? And I totally get why you want to have things that you love for breakfast. But sometimes the food that you love isn't the best food for you. And that's better for a snack. And I did a whole mirroring, connecting thing right at eye level, you know, rubbing noses with her and putting my hands on on her cheeks and gazing in her eyes and just really helping her see. And most of the time this will work. This will actually stop a tantrum more than anything else. But this particular day was one of the small percentages of time. It didn't work. And she started to have a freak out kicking things. I want it, give it to me. You're the meanest mommy in the world. Shut up. I hate you. Uh, you know, all of that. And after I had mirrored, I, I basically looked at her and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move some things. You can't hurt yourself. And you just let yourself have the biggest tantrum that you need to have. I didn't do this with sarcasm. I didn't do it to test her. I didn't, there was no power imbalance here. It was, if this is what your body needs to do and you need to just let it out because you're feeling so terrible, go ahead, go ahead and let your, let it out. And what happened is what almost always happens is nothing. She kind of tried to like, eh, she tried to have a tantrum, but the whole point of the tantrum is to teach me why I should give her the cookie, right? What she's going to make it so uncomfortable for me um, that I'll give her the cookie. And that's exactly what you can't do as a parent. Um, and the tantrum didn't last very long. You can do this when you're out in public. Child wants a toy. Child wants something in the grocery store. Always mirror. You know what? I totally get it. That toy is so cool. And they put it right down low where you can see it. And it's part of your set. And you've been talking about this for the longest time but I love you enough not to buy you something every time we go to the store. And I love you enough for you to be mad at me. 
Now comes the tantrum. And literally, you you basically just say, go ahead. If you need to have a freak out, if you need to let it out, let it out. And what usually happens is they either don't do it at all and the whole thing is over, which is spectacular, um, or they'll try to have like a forced kind of tantrum, but they can't quite cook it up because the, the circumstances aren't quite right. Um, in very rare cases, they will have a full-blown tantrum and then you just stay absolutely normal. You literally look at people saying, sorry, this happens sometimes, walk around, my apologies, and you wait it out. And they still don't get that what they want. That's the important part. They cannot end up with that toy. They cannot end up with that thing. That is the worst thing you can do for their brain. And it will literally reward this behavior. And the brain will remember, oh, I got relief and I got something wonderful. And I got a dopamine reward um, after a huge display, right? So it's a very dangerous thing to reward the brain with. Um, stay absolutely neutral. Out of the store you go. They're now crying and whining and they're still asking for that thing. And you're staying as neutral as you can possibly muster. And I know this is challenging, but if you can put all your energy into this, it will pay off. Um, in that case, what they will remember is that was a whole lot of energy. That was exhausting. I don't know. I had to dig deep for that one. And I still didn't even get what I wanted. And then what you will see is the next time um, it will really have an impact. Then you'll see uh, that playing out in a way that, that, um, the child has learned that the tantrum really gets them nothing. Sometimes tantrums just have to happen and they don't mean anything. They're just exhausted. They are just tired or overwhelmed or hungry or all three. Um, a lot of children will have tantrums if there's too many things in the day. Sometimes kids will have a tantrum. And I think I talked about this in one of my last podcasts when they're anxious that they're going to ruin something. So they just go ahead and pull the plug and ruin it. There are many, many different reasons for tantrums. Um, it is usually something that's quite normal. Um, and some kids based on their temperament will have more tantrums than other kids, but as they get older, they will decrease. When you're using the connected parenting techniques, what you will see is there'll be fewer tantrums in general. Um, the frequency will decline. Then you'll notice recovery. So they'll have a tantrum, but it won't last as long. And then eventually you'll notice the intensity. Intensity is one of the last things that actually repairs. Um, keep doing the baby play. That's a really, really important part of this because that's getting the oxytocin in there. It's sort of changing that underlying um, body chemistry. So they're not quite as stressed out. Lots of conversational mirroring, chit-chat mirroring, and always, always, always use the calm technique as much as you can in every single situation. And try these techniques. You will see tantrums will start to, to decrease. They won't disappear completely because they are normal, but this will give you a few more tools in your toolbox and a pretty um, powerful way to bust a tantrum. So remember, we've got our online courses. We've got um, one of the courses actually has a monthly coaching call where, where I interact with everybody. I love those. They're so much fun. Um, and we also have a Facebook group that I interact in. I sometimes will answer with videos or, or um, just written answers to people. It's a really active community where people care a lot about each other. We've got our Connected Parenting Coaching Village, which is an amazing, amazing and very affordable resource for you. We've got our books. And keep listening to my podcast. And don't forget my other podcast, the, the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. It's, it's really full of a lot of strategies and tools for mental health practice. We'll see you again next time.